0: I am giant. We'll be
1: breaking Hello and welcome back to the Giants Conscience where we sit on the shoulders of American Rugby and share what we see and think to any and all open ears. Jake, it is another week of Major League Rugby in front of us. It is uh, an important week in the American rugby calendar. we got a little uh, rugby happening this year in L.A. instead of L.V., Las Vegas. USA Sevens. I don't know if it's fair to call it USA Sevens. The LA Sevens is this weekend. Um, and uh, a couple of other crazy things going on worldwide. Oh, Sir, I'm are you ready to talk ready. some rugby?
0: So, in, in terms of crazy things happening worldwide, Pat, did you see that uh, the Ireland versus Italy Six Nations match has been maybe canceled and maybe just postponed? Uh, I did
1: not see this whatsoever. I did hear, though, that Italy is like the number one, like. Location of the coronavirus outside of Asia, so I'm assuming it could be coronavirus. That is, late.
0: in fact, precisely it. Uh, so it looked like uh, the Irish rugby powers that be might want to fight it a little bit, but so they're they're all their three matches: the men, the women, and the under twenty men. And they've all been postponed. Uh, it's not clear yet if they will be made up in a timely fashion or what's going to happen. I think part of the fear is that if it gets, you know, it, it, if there are any plans to make the matchup soon, that things might get worse in the interim. And uh, you know, one idea is that they play in front of an empty stadium. Um, which you might say, "Hey, that's cruel," but the the, the the women recently had to do it exactly that because of a weather postponement. So uh, it remain as we're talking here, it remains to see, be seen exactly what's going to happen. But uh, this coronavirus is causing havoc with all kinds of things, and of course, the world's most important thing, rugby, is not going unscathed.
1: Well, I even heard I was, uh, you know, not by choice and, and, you know, to to each their own when it comes to whatever political drool you decide to consume. But I was listening to Rachel Maddow this morning and she was talking about how there's serious discussion about how the Olympics may get canceled. Because of the coronavirus, that there's discussion about that. I mean, I don't want that to happen. This is our chance. This is the golden team. We can't like that. It'd be like having you know the best team in baseball during the '94 strike or uh, you know something along those lines. We can't. This can't be the USA's year for men and women, and then us uh, not get to play in the Olympics. Come yeah, on,
0: and, and uh, I heard an interview on the BBC with an IOC uh, gentleman whose name is Dick Pound. And, uh, <laughs> Great name. I mean, he, he made, he made the very accurate point that at, at this stage, nothing's getting canceled. And then the also very accurate right. point is that you don't want to bring, you know, all these athletes into harm's way. Um, and that would also, yeah.
1: Oh, of course, no one should go risk getting the bubonic yeah. plague so that we can enjoy the Olympics. I'll just yeah. be saying, but
0: any, anyway, um, I, I, I mm. confess, I don't know that I was all that worried about the spread of. Um, the coronavirus until it, it's you know it started to affect you know it, it until starting to have it
1: has jostled its way into your uh, yeah into your yeah. purview
0: um, and then but then other rugby is happening so did you see that Slar had its first real exhibition match?
1: No, but now I'm hungry for coleslaw. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: um, so Slar, that's the new league in South America, and officially their season kicks mm-hmm. off on March sixth. But uh, Penarol played Corinthians, and Penarol. You got to tell me where yeah, these teams so are from again. Is Uruguayan, and they played in Montevideo in that, uh, you know, the, the home of Uruguay rugby, whatever that stadium is called. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Corinthians are, I believe, Brazilian. And most of their players, quite a few, or most if not all their players are Brazilian. So, um, Penarol won forty-five to fifteen, which I don't think it was a big surprise. Looking at the the lineups, there are quite a few names familiar to me at least on there. Uh, But you know, there's some crazy jerseys, and um, you know, the it
1: crazy how give us uh, give us. So uh, I believe it's the Corinthians,
0: uh, but maybe it's Penarol. I got a little confused as to who was who on the pictures, in part because the most of the the communication about the league is is not in English, and I'm a dumb American. So, uh, but uh, there, it is these vertical black stripes. Not, no, that's not true. They're like um, black triangles um, on yellow background. So they're like angry bumblebees, and and they look oh. very oh. soccer. Okay,
1: no, okay, I'm seeing them now. All right, yeah, those are. It's like uh, an upside down league
0: pattern. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, is that Arata? Right, that's Arata wearing that. So he does he play for? That's that, right. So that uh, must
0: that must have been Penarol then, because that's the Uruguayan. Yeah, Penarol. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. then the last thing for did you see that I had is uh, Green and Gold Rugby is an Australian website, um, and they off.
1: I'm familiar with them. I used to consume some of their uh, like analysis videos back in my yeah. Uh, yeah, and they and year.
0: they often have some pretty good statistical breakdowns. And somebody did a statistical breakdown of Super Rugby referees who are refereeing in their home nation with a with a home side. So uh, you know, a New Zealand referee refereeing a match between a New Zealand team and an Australian team, as a for instance. And this statistical analysis <laughs> showed that. Uh, There is a real difference and the referees are um, on the whole biased for the home side. And the real problem, according to this analysis, is with South African referees who are um, an average match uh, uh, 3.67 more penalties to the away side than the South African side. So three or four penalties in a match is a big hmm. deal, and there's also a, a distorted a giving of yellow cards. Um, Super Rugby has responded and essentially said, "Well, you know, there are all kinds of numbers. You know, we we have to find out if these numbers are valid, and it's not fair to, you know, attack referees based on you know numbers that haven't been validated." But uh, it seems to be pretty damning evidence, uh, and to confirm the idea that neutral referees are ideal whenever possible.
1: Uh, you think? (laughs) I mean, boy, how much trouble do I want to get into? Like, I've had these fights in local rugby, like, you know what I mean? Like, if there's a guy who has an affiliation with a local club, and there's a game between that club and another club, if you have another referee who doesn't have an affiliation, you should probably have them referee that game. I mean... It's insane, especially even potentially more especially in super rugby. You know, when people are getting paid and Patty Power, and you've got all these, I assume you can freely bet and gamble on uh, rugby in South Africa. Is I assume the case? so as well. Okay. So if that's the case, and you can, you know, legally gamble, not just in South Africa, but probably throughout super rugby, and certainly you can get, gamble on super rugby throughout the world, throughout the Commonwealth countries, I'm certain. um, you, these guys don't get paid that freaking much, right? I mean, not very much at all. So when there's money on the line for games and guys don't get paid very much, then you have to call into question, well, are people getting fixed? Is there point shaving? All that stuff comes into play. You know, that's, for me, that's the big concern about my golden ticket idea, which is the uh, replace uh, horse racing with human horse racing, which is sevens in the United States. the The, the trick is that, You know, it could get fixed and you leave yourself susceptible to it getting fixed and and, and games getting fixed if you don't pay your players enough to where it's not worth them getting, you know, taking money from outside sources to fix the games. So I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm saying that it doesn't shock me. And uh, I wouldn't, you know, I would imagine that the uh, uh, gambling piece probably has something to do with
0: it. Perhaps and I will even say like uh, Carl Dixon, who you'll remember. I think his first name is Carl, who you'll remember fondly because he refereed the the, the last USA Maori match, um, and he was a player not very long ago in the uh, you know English Premiership, and now he's refereeing there. And you know there are guys that he played with and um, that he, that he's refereeing, and that to me is bonkers. So.
1: Well, it's a no-brainer, of course. I mean, it, it literally is the same thing that happens in the back. Like, when I go to Wichita, right, and I get the one referee in Wichita who referees Wichita every home game and played for Wichita and, you know, drinks beer with those guys after every game, you can't sit here and tell me that there's not a chance that that guy is going to be a little biased. Same way that you're just saying if a guy's shared a locker room and— to Jersey with a guy that you can't say that there's no way he's going to be having an opportunity to be biased. And sometimes, you know, in, in the world of professional rugby, you'd think you could always avoid it. Um, though I don't know what the cost concerns are with super rugby and flying referees around and how much they get paid and all that stuff. But, uh, I guess it doesn't surprise me that those parallels are, uh, as much there on the international level as they are on yeah. the grassroots level, um, which I find is the case around a lot of things and, uh, in rugby. Um, is that all the things you wanted to draw nope. my attention to? Yeah, those I have were the one things that were
0: on my radar.
1: Well, the big fat one was, did you see, sir, that the USA Rugby Task Force has issued a uh, a document?
0: I did.
1: I didn't see it anywhere else. Did USA Rugby put put it anywhere besides...
0: I even, I'm sure they probably didn't even put it on right but where did they publish it? I don't it? think they published it anywhere. I think they had it at one of their... Uh, whatever that... Um, Think about like that tour they're doing.
1: The National Development yeah. Summit tour. All right. Well, I've got it up now. All right. So we've got this. It's called the USAR Reorganization Plan put forward by the task force. The task force includes Jonathan Bobbitt, Fred Radle, Bill Good, Amy Russert and Paul Keeler, Kirk Tate, Jim Brown, Phaedra Knight and Kevin Swearin, and Corey McDonald. We've talked about some of these names on the air before. Um, uh, John Bobbitt is the uh, the chair of. USA Rugby Partners, which is former RIM. He is also an investor in uh, USA Rugby Partners, which I think is an important thing to keep in mind here. Um, Basically what this is is... The plan forward. It's what we talked about. It's what we've been alluding to. They circled that there's one point, uh, basically $1.7 million in losses for 2019, 700,000 of which is uh, being uh, allocated to or uh, being pointed at as additional cost of Rugby World Cup participation. 350,000 that is uh, being fingered for uninsured litigation with UWS. Um, they have five uh, five point two million dollars in negative equity. We owe three point six million dollars in debt to World Rugby. Cash flow US indicates USA Rugby will run out of cash at end of May twenty twenty. So the last time we talked, the prognostication was March. Now it's being said end of May twenty twenty. They're saying that they need at least $2.6 million of a cash injection required to pull even and pay for the transitional period to a revised structure. So they're basically saying that there's three options, which you heard us and Colin, uh, you know, Sir Esquire Colin Floor go over last time. There's a couple of different uh, bankruptcy options, neither of which are super appealing and neither of which we can really afford. And then the third option is to try and avoid bankruptcy, um, which is what we need the $2.6 million for. And when we do that, the plan is also outlining some significant changes. Uh, Some of those changes are basically no national championships for the communities, and there's none of that in in these plans. So a lot of the membership uh, deliverables are going to be taken away that you've had in the past. Um, when it comes to insurance, that's a big question, right? That is the number one hard tangible for anybody who's SIP registered with, with USA rugby is you get third-party liability insurance. It looks like there's some options where they, they're trying to figure that out. And maybe an add-on potential where you pay for your USA rugby fee. And then if you want to opt in for the insurance, you have to pay above and beyond that, but that's not necessarily considered all the way in. That seems like it's a, a still tabled kind of piece because it's a really important one. Um, and for me the 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 if you want to look at i i think the w- one of the things i want to look at is the uh Organizational structure, the proposed new structure. So what we have now is a, is, is a board where you have a bunch of highfalutin, uh, highfalutin people with really fancy resumes um, that are uh, you know have done amazing things in the corporate world who get selected to this board and are supposed to make us operate really well as a, as a corporate entity. What we're going to go back to is basically a volunteer board where representatives from the volunteer, the membership base, um, are going to be seating our board. Um, So it's a step back to that, and in some ways, Congress will change, and they're going to basically create councils to overlook all the different sectors of the game. So a youth high, uh, in high school council, a college council, a club council, all these different kinds of councils to overlook the different sections of the game. And each one of those councils will put forward uh, somebody to for, for Congress. So there's a lot of different stuff that is involved in here, um, different kind of organizational structures. Um, at the end of the day, the bottom line is this. USA Rugby is going to change in a drastic, drastic way. They don't have a lot of options. Nothing's really appealing. And we're going to have to get used to some changes, and and I guess the reality is, is no matter which way we go, there's probably a lot of uncertainty that no, you know, some questions that can't be answered. Jake, I mean, what did you, what were your thoughts as you kind of thumbed through this?
0: Well, I, I guess the, the thing that I keep coming back to is there is no good option. So, um, you know, what I don't really understand is, um, what. <laughs> I guess the the reorganization, I guess, seems okay. Um, I I do think that, um, you know, I I do think that a a more federated, um, you know, not top-down and decentralized system is the way to go. Uh, And I and I think that you know, giving you know, organizations more and more autonomy uh, apart from USA Rugby is is a good thing. I you know what I don't understand is. What happens to, you know, to all that debt, and how does this address that debt, and 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 that's, I don't know if it's in here and I missed it, but that's the thing that I don't understand.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, and I I don't understand where it is either. I mean, at the end of the day, even if we can stay alive we how do we hack away at that debt and get to a point where we can start being aggressive again um and hoping to you know try to develop and and have winning teams and be able to compete uh as a national team or a national office or a national governing body again as we have at least pretended to do or purported to do or done to our detriment over the last several years I, I, but it doesn't seem to have much of a plan to hack away at that you're right so, and I, I don't know what that plan is i mean at the end of the day we're, we we are too relying on world rugby. It is very much... Uh, a, a colonial model We've discussed this The reality is That world rugby Has a lot of influence Over our decision making International our office And our hiring And what we decide to do They always have That's problematic World rugby Whether they'd like to Understand it or not Has absolutely no understanding Of how sport in America works How business in America works And how they intertwine And how culture in America works They don't understand our geography They, have, they, they literally have zero understanding About the American culture And landscape whatsoever But they're desperate to get here And they're looking their chops to get here and operate in it and they keep dictating trying to force models that work in other countries and models that work in other you know tier one places on us that do not work and that has been a problem for years and they keep doing regime change after regime change thinking that the regime change will do something and nothing happens so it seems as though in my world the, the ideal thing would be to be able to get some independence from world rugby um, and to be able to start making our own decisions with the intellectual property and the knowledge that we have being Americans and knowing how things work here yep. in this country. That's not really an option because we owe world rugby too much money. So what this plan is doing is leaning into it and it's trying to p- shift the paradigm from us being a dependent of world rugby to world rugby being an investor in the game in American rugby. And that is a difficult paradigm to switch. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to actually have World Rugby go from being this kind of onerous, micromanaging, poisonous dictator to being an investor that's supportive and allows you to, uh, you know, the freedom and space to operate and do what you need to do. But that's what they're trying to do because they don't have a lot of options. At least that's what it seems clear to me.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, it, it talks about having an independent Task force and 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 you know kind of, but but I but as you said, there doesn't seem to be any pathway to independence. And if World Rugby is going to be giving, I, I kind of essentially bailing out the USA national teams, um, you know, or funding those, I, I guess that might turn out okay. But in you know in the long run. Um, you know that that means that world you know we know that other world rugby members have different ob- objectives than the American rugby community and uh, so I'm I'm with you you know independent sure would be nice to be a plus the other thing is I just keep think I keep thinking back to when the uh, I think it was the first time the all so I think when the all blacks in the USA played, uh, I interviewed a gentleman from USA uh, from World Rugby, whose name I don't even remember. Um, and but he was in their finances or whatever. And I went to wherever he was staying, and it was like he was like, "Oh, just come up and meet me for brunch." And it was at this restaurant, like in this hotel, that was like supremely expensive. And they're all these, like they're all just rubbing elbows with each other, and it was like. I don't know, it sure seemed to me like these were people who were not concerned about the money they were spending that must have been World Rugby's money. And they weren't concerned about specifics. It was just like, you know, Soldier Field sold out, you know. Oh, actually, it must have been the second time the All Black came when they played Ireland. And and anyway, there just wasn't. You know, it was it, it was a foreign world to me because, you know, anywhere else you are in America, if you want to go interview with somebody for rugby, you know, I, I was nervous. I was like, oh, wait, I, I can't buy this guy's brunch here. <laughs> He's like, you want anything? I'm like, I'll just take a water. Right. Thanks, man. And, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, if those are the people who are coming in and they're going to say, this is what you guys need to do. That does not generate a lot of confidence, you know. If if they're, you know, if these are people who are like Nigel Melville is a good guy and, and he's good for USA Rugby and you know throwing big parties is what's important, you know that ugh th- that makes me concerned.
1: Right, I mean, well, let's let's dive into a, one thing that I want to look at. So they they got some proposed fees here, right? So, at the end of the day, one of the dynamics that's really gone on is all the different membership demographics have thought that they have overpaid and been under-delivered for membership services. So, we've given a dollar and received a dime back in membership services, and that has been one of the big rubs why teams have left, groups have left, why Inscro existed, why Varsity Cup existed, why um, uh, all these sorts of different things, a large, it's one of the large dynamics that has led to the bubble-up point of where we are right now, okay, and What's really going to happen here is USA Rugby is going to choose one of these paths, one of the bankruptcy paths, or probably this workout plan path. I, there's a lot of optimism with the people I've talked to in the task force group to be able to make this done. That they're going to be able to get the 2.6 million dollars. That they're going to be able to move forward. Um, and it looks like the plan basically has World Rugby's rubber stamp as long as they meet the criteria that they asked for. in, in order to, you know, in, in terms of what they're submitting in order to to, to get the grant or to get the, the loan approved. So I expect it to get done. Okay, so let's say it gets done. Now, what it really relies upon is that's great. We get our we get our loan in. Fantastic. Now, what happens if at in mass members don't come back? Because whatever their workout plan is certainly has a budget. And that budget certainly is, you know, doing some math of X amount of members times X amount of dollars. And these are some of the proposed dollar uh, membership fees. So the proposed membership fee here for youth and high school would be twenty five dollars. If I look over and click over to USA Rugby right now for youth and high school, high school right now is thirty five dollars and youth is twenty five. So youth, the same price. High school would be a ten dollar discount from what it is currently uh, if these proposed prices are adopted. Uh, college and club forty five dollars. I click over. That's what they would be proposed. And now they currently college are forty five and club is uh, forty five as well. So or is. Senior player is 50. So it's a $5 discount for senior player. Same for college. If I click over and I look at, uh, you get the point. So it's basically the same price or slightly cheaper for all, most roles. Okay. For most roles. The difference is you're not going to have insurance for that same price. If you want that, you got to pay extra, which you get insurance now and in the future, you won't have it. And background checks. If you have a domestic background check, they're now saying that's an additional pass-through member cost that's 30 bucks. Well, now as a coach, even though my coaching fee is slightly cheaper in the uh, future, now there's a pass-through background check that I've got to pay that's slightly more expensive. So if you look at this, and I haven't averaged all the costs out here, but you're looking at the same cost basically to play rugby or nominally less with significantly less deliverables, no national championships, no insurance, no insurance, and no uh, background checks unless you pay for those over and above. And, and, so that's the dynamic. So USA Rugby now and 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 I'm not blaming the task force and saying that they've come up with a raw deal. This is probably the deal that they could the best one they could cut in order to survive. This is what they have to charge in order to come up with a workout plan. I understand that. I'm just saying now as all of Americans across the country now as Inscrow backed out, we all have to decide, are we going to pay for, we were already pissed off for, that we, for what we were getting for what we were paying, and now we're going to pay for the same amount and we're going to get less. Are we all going to agree to chip in and do that in American rugby's time of need to keep USA Rugby going forward? Well, I don't know. That's a big question everybody's going to have to answer.
0: Yeah, and to be clear, you said American rugby's time of need. need. It's USA rugby's time of need. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know, but that the, it, it seems highly likely to me That a good chunk of uh, clubs and organizations, you know, will will go their own way, uh, and and you know, reasonably so.
1: Reasonably so. I mean, this is the world we live in. I just. It, 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 so, and so this is the other point I want to make, because I've, I've talked about it, you know, about how we go to this decentralization. Now we have these 15 geographic unions. And if you're geographic unions like mine, you know, there's a $100,000 surplus sitting in a bank account that now uh, people can get can have access to. And that used to be the biggest carrot probably to get involved if you were some money hungry Machiavellian control freak. Was just to have access over that hundred thousand. Well, guess what? Now, if you get over to the GU, you could potentially get onto the GU council and get work your way to the USA Rugby Board. You used to have to be wealthy and have an incredible resume to get to the board. Well, now all of our busybodies, whether they're good actors or bad actors, the ones that have been in Congress that have helped, poten- you know, some of them lead in, in 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 many ways to this scenario, are going to have. A, there's a thinner veil between being a volunteer who's walking the sidelines and picking up trash and a volunteer who makes major decisions for the union. So all of a sudden our local politics become significantly more important in my mind. There's going to be less checks and balances from the national office. If there ever were any less eyes poking in from that level, more money probably at the uh, local levels. um, And uh, a a thinner uh, layer, uh, a thinner barrier to entry to control at the top. So That's just another dynamic shift that we should pay attention to. So there's your. Did you see? Let's talk some Major League Rugby, should we, Jake? All right. So we have before we we what we usually do is we kind of go through the scores here, and then we uh, we kind of go game by game and 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 talk through what we saw, and then we what we were surprised by, and then we talk about the next week. Before we do that, I want to pull up the standings. Um, because the standings are pretty interesting in my mind. We've got San Diego and Toronto at the top at 3-0 and 3-0, the best in the East at the best in the West. Um, and then it gets pretty weird. So the next five teams, to, uh, well, so West is in first, and then the next – one two three four five six places are all East Place teams and then the bottom five place uh, the bottom five teams are all in the West so it's really stratified here I think in the preseason I talked about it how I thought the East was gonna have kind of the power of the league and more of the the the, 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 the competitive league and that looks like it's bearing out at this point um, because the bottom five place uh, the, 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 the 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 seller of the league is all in the West and uh, San San Diego the top of the league is all populated by the East does that any of that surprise you well
0: i think the thing that surprises me is that seattle's down there in the cellar at zero and three with one point secured uh i guess i'm a little surprised that colorado's also zero and three at this point um and and i'm a, i'm a little surprised by how well atlanta and old glory have gone uh so yeah i'm, I'm, I'm a bit surprised
1: here's the other dynamic if you want to look really deep the bottom five teams are this: Utah, Houston, Austin, Seattle, Colorado.
0: Yes, you know I, I, Austin was doing Austin things. I then though saw that you when Frank Halai came on, uh, I think he got a try and set up a try, um, and and so I think there is you know hope for uh, the Gilgronies yet, um, and you know what the heck, you know why not? You know if you're going tacky. Go all out with a crazy light show and, and everything else. You know they're they're going for it, so you know everything's consistent and moving in the in the same direction. So you know let us hope let's hope that you know that that translates into maybe a devil make care attitude in the field on the field and and and, and a win.
1: The other storyline that we're watching with the Gilgronies all year, right, is even if they win and even if they, you know, are in a playoff race, are they going to get enough traction to warrant staying in Austin? So at least that's something I'm keeping an eye on and uh, improvement from them all the way around. Uh, we'll see what that means for the Gilgronis. Uh, The other result we had, next result was DC 22-13 over the Houston SaberCats. Really close game, the threatened Palamo Cup. His former team, his current team... <laughs> um uh what did you think about this one
0: well more you know i would say more scrum troubles for dc and, and there were on the other hand they also won a few penalties so it seemed a bit of uh seemed pretty arbitrary you know who was going to get penalized who's going to get rewarded at scrum time uh the beast went off at halftime um which i thought was odd he looked like he was struggling early um the match was not super captivating I don't think um, and there seemed to be a fair amount of grubbers and other kicks that uh, were not really about territory but more like hey we keep dropping the ball so if we kick it maybe we'll get a lucky bounce and pick it up and score um so this was not I, I don't this was not a great advertisement for the MLR uh you know DC and and Robertson I don't know I mean it's it's tough to say because you know a lot of players have have been going well early but Robertson for uh for DC might be the, like this the signing of the season or or like the big foreigner who's who's, who's making the difference because his fun kicking to watch. Yeah, he's fun to watch. He, you know, he's, he's carrying to the line, and um, you know his ability to kind of help control territory, but then also to to kick for points is is I didn't I was not expecting that that old glory was going to have that kind of fly half this season. So uh, it's been a, a pleasant surprise from that perspective.
1: For me, that's been the hard part with all these the teams that have had so many new changes, right? Like Schultz uh, or Schultz, the, the the fly half for Utah. I've never seen that guy play. Nobody had. Yeah. Anybody yeah. who's you know, prognosticating for Major League Rugby, half the people who play in it or coach in it had never seen that guy play. So, you know, we don't really know what we're talking about. For the, you know, Danny Tusatala, I had seen him play sevens. I'd never seen him play 15s. So we're, we're just getting to learn these guys, and it's usually at the nine and 10 position where we learn these guys every year when the new ones come in. But yeah, he's a great find. One of the talking points that I, I kind of made the point earlier, and I think I was hinting at when I made it, that the the the, the longer standing MLR teams are at the bottom, the newer teams are at the top. Uh, what I was saying then was, if you look at kind of the separation of money in the league and new money and, and how that works, I think that's one storyline to, to or angle to look at that storyline. But the other angle is this concept that there's not enough, that the, the player population is too diluted. Is it too early to say that the standard is better this year than it was last year in your eyes?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so either. (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, I I don't think it's too early to say that. I mean, there's certainly moments where the league shows that it is not, you know, that it's not yet a top-tier league. Uh, But, no, I think think there are two things. One in terms of, like, skill level, but the other is, you know, the – whether or not the rugby is fun to watch. And I think by and large, it it has been. Um, So So, I got to say that, that I'm also side note, like rooting for Houston because they are a team that figured out that where you play matters. And uh, you know, so I'm rooting for Houston to succeed because of, of that stadium they built.
1: Yeah. I want to see that rewarded and I want to see that succeed. So I agree with you. Um, But so for me, year two to year three, no more foreigners per team. Same amount per team. Um, the salary cap increase was absolutely nominal, so not much there to say that the money is the reason why the standards improved. The standard has improved. We and I are both in agreement on that. And we have more teams. We have thirty-three percent more teams. We had nine teams. We have twelve teams. That's a thirty-three percent increase without adding any foreigner, extra foreigners per team. So the player field, the, the, the elite player pool in the United States has never been stressed more and it's standing up pretty fucking well to it so when people say that oh I don't know how many more teams we can add because there's the, the, the North American player base go to hell. I just don't see it. I I disagree (laughs) with that from jump street. And that's a thesis that I'm not going to leave until it's proven to be wrong. And for me, this is another data point to say that that's just stupid. If the teams that didn't exist before can come in, take the guys that you didn't protect from them in the, so to speak expansion draft that they kind of use and you don't allow them to take any more foreigners or go out and pay for any extra money for any better foreigners. And they're beating the teams that have already been around and been operating. And that suggests that our player pool is not a problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I will say that having gone to, I went to one of the D.C. combines, you <laughs> Yeah, there is a you know a big step between most of the guys who are interested in you know taking a shot at a combine and what it actually takes to play for the M L R. So I mean I, I I'm with you that this year is proving that so far things aren't depleted, uh, but I I do think that um, you know we have to be smart in thinking about where the growth in even more players is going to come from and i and 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 it's got to be getting guys younger um you know and and not just you know tapping into guys who are local studs for their clubs and just you know somehow have flown under the radar because i don't think there are be
1: smarter what's the value proposition on going to a fucking combine i mean honestly what's the success rate on those combines someone tell me Someone who knows this, someone who has access to it, Strobro, you do this. You get all the inside information for MLR. You go find out how many people are in the MLR right now who attended a Major League Rugby Combine as an unknown entity. You, yeah. what, so what's the value what's the proposition on that? So I think the Combine is more the problem than the, the quality of
0: player. So, so that's, that's fine. I'm going to push back, though, because I think the Combines are, for new organizations, they are a way to test how they're going to, like, function as an organization. Like, it's, it's, it's one of the first things they actually do that's rugby-related. So yeah. how they're going to, like, interact with players, how, what kind of, like, coaching things they want to put in place. So for – and is potentially also community building. So for those reasons, I think the Combines can have value. But as an actual talent identification scheme – yeah, I, I'm with you.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I was saying, you know, what's the value in the ROI for the player? So, therefore, what player do you actually get to show up if it's not much of a value prop? You know, if I'm a really good player, am I going to drive six hours if nobody's ever been signed from a freaking combine? Um, yeah. You know? So. Um, all right, let's move on to the next score. Seattle 17, Toronto 39. This was a major one. This was kind of the split and all the predictions. Um, I picked Toronto. Did you pick Seattle?
0: Uh Oh, shoot, I did. Yeah, I, I, t- I only said, oh, shoot, because when I was looking back before we talked, I gave myself credit for correctly picking that one. And uh, I definitely didn't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So, the Arrows look every bit as unstoppable as San Diego uh, early on. Just a methodical team. They don't seem to panic. They go through the phases and they just try to impose themselves on, on everybody else. They seem to win every kicking exchange um, and they're just happy to go through their phases and, and they don't panic. And Sam Malcolm happens to be maybe the best uh, kicker in the league. And. Arguably the best fly half in the league. I mean, he's a little unassuming, and I don't think I. It's tough for me to. to, to I probably have said that about four or five different guys because I think there is some good parity in the fly halves in this league. But boy, Sam Malcolm's pretty damn good, and he's got to be at the top of the heap.
0: Well, he was playing fullback actually, he, uh and they had Taylor Adams playing uh fly half.
1: Fit. Well, okay, exposed on that one, but a hell of a player, and he's yeah. still leading the league oh, yeah. and penalties no, and, and in penalties in his boot.
0: Oh yes, yeah. he's you know he's definitely involved in almost everything they're doing in attack. So mm-hmm. th- there's no doubt about his value there. You know I was <laughs> quite impressed by Richie Asiata, the prop, mm-hmm. um, who is Australian, and then their number eight Manuel Diana or Deanna, um, who is Uruguayan. Man, those guys are carrying pretty darn well. Um, and then when you combine that with all of the other consistency they've gotten. Uh, you know in terms of players being around and knowing each other yeah it's hard to yeah, it I, I'm sure you know the wheels can always fall off, but it's hard to see what wheels are gonna fall off for Toronto because uh, i mean they they dominated that match um and you you know Seattle just you know had long stretches where they where they couldn't you know they 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 couldn't go anywhere yeah. um they continue and, to have
1: fly half woes as as much as I think Sloan is a better option than Scott Dean, um, and, and not that Benzema was was a, a you know the best player in the world, but I think that they're having some serious issues at fly half.
0: And and Benzema can kick the ball a long way.
1: Yeah, that's um, for sure.
0: So you know I, I will. And Dan Moore is I think he scored four tries in the first three weeks, um, leading the league. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, one thing I do enjoy is when uh, Pete Steinberg comments on Shalom Suniula and his his lack of kicking ability at, at ten. I just think, wait, didn't he play ten for the Eagles? Yeah, <laughs> and and, <laughs> and I think, oh boy, like those were some it, lean
1: it, years. Those were when yeah, Adam Siddle like, was in a dark room <laughs> with a concussion, and James Bird was.
0: And i I don't disagree, but like the fact that you know that's now a knock on Shalom sunula at you know at a club level and and not for a national side um you know any, anyway it, it, it it's it's a bit of Point nostalgia well that makes me feel comforted with with where things stand now with the kicking options that the Eagles have Absolutely. Um,
1: Interesting. So if you're a Seattle fan, you know, they started off one and two last year, ended up still hoisting the uh, shield. I think it's fair to say it's okay to panic at this point that this year doesn't look like last year.
0: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All
1: right. One more score. We got San Diego 30, 21 over New England. This was the Tig Leader Cup. Uh, Former player for the San Diego Legion now plays for the Free Jacks. I didn't get to watch any of this one. Hoping you can carry me. What did I miss?
0: Oh, it was so much fun to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a, a big patch in the second half where uh, it, it looked like New England might, you know, sneakily get the win. Um, and then San Diego was able to, to figure it out and, and to score. But, um, you know, there was uh, uh, the Danny Collins, is it? Who, like Yeah, Danny Collins, who started mm-hmm. the wing for New England, had some good stepping. John Poland... Um, the scrum half for New England had a great try from a quick tap. You know, he could just see people weren't paying attention and you know, took it quickly and you know was able to just barge over. Um, you know, so you know, Jackson Thebes had a good run or two. Uh, you know, the number eight for New England, Dwight again continues to look good. Um, so all over the place there were positive attacking moments for New England. Um you know, Mike Sell looks like he might not quite be on the same page as everybody else. Uh, but then it's on the side... kind of been side, his M.O. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, but then on the flip side, you know, there are passages where uh, Tamalau and Wuching and, um, and Mahoney and Nanu were all involved in, in, you know, like two or three phases. And, you know, when those, you know... When Mahoney and Tamalau are clicking and are, are carrying well, and then, you know, Wuching charges up on the side, boy, that is, that is a lot to handle. And, you know, when I look – when I was watching, one of the things that stood out is that San Diego seemed to be attacking much flatter than a lot of the other sides. You know, a lot of the other sides are trying to buy themselves some time, uh, you know, by running that runner behind or, or whatever else. And San Diego does not so far seem to be doing that. They seem to be, you know, right up in the face of the, of the, of the defense. And that might be why they have so many handling errors. They had another 17 handling errors in this match. Uh, so they continue to lead the league in handling errors. Um, but I don't know. I I I thought it was another fantastic match to watch, and that for me has been kind of been the New England way. Um, you know, they they just got a lot going on, and you know San Diego were the better side. So yeah, I don't know. Is, can you tell that that I really enjoyed the game? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can tell that you like this one. I can absolutely tell that you like this one. Have you? I mean, you still have bounced around like New England, DC, free. I mean, you still have to go to a free Jacks game before you can make a, a, a decision.
0: Well, I feel. I mean, you know, we we did the Rooney thing last year, and Rooney is like. And you're going by back to Coney
1: Island the, this year. The, or it,
0: it, it's the closest thing. You know, we've now got some gear, um, and I feel like abandoning the team. After one season would be pretty – would be the wrong thing to do. Okay. Um, but, you know, those New England jerseys and, – and I did for for Christmas. I bought my nephews and my brother some free jacks gear. Um so, I don't know. I, 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 D.C. is just, you know, I think a little too far for us. So, um, you know, so the question is, do I really accept the fact that I haven't lived in New England for like 20 years at this point because I'm so old? <laughs> or, 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 or do I, you know, I kind of cling back to my youth? And I think I have to accept that uh, I, am admitted, I am a Mid-Atlantic guy now. And so I, I got stick with I got to stick with Rooney.
1: Okay, fair enough. Speaking of Rooney, they got the win, twenty-two nineteen over Rugby Atlanta. They, uh, you know, I can't ever seem to pick Rooney right. You know, last year they were my faithful, and I stuck with them, and they bit me at the end of the year. This year, I, I picked them to win, and they lose. I picked them to lose, and they win. Uh, but a very important win for Rugby United New York. They're bolstering their lineup with Hunko Hermishes, uh Charlie Hewitt, um. But, Bolstering their lineup because they had a lot of denied visas that didn't come through and they had some uh, some, some spots to fill. So this is a big one to get before those guys kind of uh, come back full force and before Hunko Hermeshes is back full force and before everybody gets integrated for them to win while they're still kind of uh, uh, not at full force. I think that's a really big one, especially over a team that was previously undefeated.
0: Yes, um, and, you know, Kirk Coleman for, for Atlanta is, is is pretty good, and it's great to see another guy returning to America, Bill Fukafuka, just because it's a fun name to say yeah, for rugby yeah. ATL. Um, so, yeah, I, I did not stay with this match all the way through. I will say the other match that, uh, that Atlanta played at home where it was just one camera and no replaying announcers for at least the feed that I was watching – Everything looked a lot better this time with the production, and so that was, for me, a big positive and relief.
1: How do you feel if you're a Rugby United New York fan at this point in the season? You're sitting at one and two. Um, you're in the toughest, you know, conference in the league in the East. Um, and I mean, or you're, I'm sorry, you're sitting at two and one. You're in the toughest conference in the league in the East. You've got to win over another two and one team, and you've got some some uh, some new charges coming. You have a new coach. If you're a Rooney fan, are you feeling nervous? Or are you excited? Are you feeling a little bit of relief after the early loss? What are you thinking if you're a Rooney fan at this point?
0: Well, so this is not entirely hypothetical, um, right? You know, so I think you know Bastro has not really done much yet. So,
1: but yet uh, made the team of the week.
0: Yeah, that's nonsense. But <laughs> so <Bastero laughs> is, so I guess for me, I'm thinking, well, at some point, Bastro and I don't know, like maybe Honko will punch him in practice or something, uh, or or he'll oh that'd punch be fun to watch, size. wouldn't it? Um, but you know, at some point. I, I do think that he's got more in the tank and there's going to be at least a match or two or at least a couple 20 minute bursts where Bassero reminds everybody just what a terror he is. Um, And, and I do think that at some point Petri's got to get, get the starts again. Um, And I, I wonder, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Chris Mattina and I wonder if, you know, if, if by season's end, he might end up in a 10 shirt. Uh so I'm not nervous yet. I yeah, I just think that there are a lot of positives that are happening. That's
1: wild um, to think about that you're thinking, you know, as a strategic move Matina over marsh to 10.
0: Yeah, I know that, so he's I, I mean just marsh go back is,
1: a year, we thought Marsh was 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 at this time we thought he was, you know, right up there with the cream of the crop of the league and now we're thinking
0: and and, and he still might. I mean, I think Maybe there were some, like, slicker attacking designs or patterns for Marsh last year, and that's what's missing. Well, um, I
1: think that the nine that you mentioned, uh, I think that definitely is a, a part of the equation.
0: Yeah. So I, I, just, I, I think that there is lots of, there are lots of ways to imagine how Rooney gets on a roll. So that's, you know, that, that's the optimist in me, and that, that's how I hope things go.
1: I don't want to say crisis averted, but I would say somewhat crisis averted. Now, I wouldn't classify myself as a Rooney fan. Obviously, uh, Kyle Assumption's a friend of mine, so I want him to do well and I want him to be successful. Um, so I, I guess I watch them a little bit more closely. I, you know, Greg McWilliams is a guy that I'm extremely friendly with. I want him to be incredibly successful. I know a lot of the guys, you know, it's multiple of the guys on the team. Um, so I, I watch them probably more closely than, say, you know, Toronto or. Um, the Gilgronies teams that I don't have as many connections to, um, so I the storyline. If I'm them and I'm sitting here and we lose the way that we did to the Free Jacks to start the season, and we didn't look particularly sharp in Vegas at any point, even after a win, and we have all these visas denied, I'm probably crapping my pants. And to be two and one through all that, I think you might feel like you have crisis averted.
0: Yeah, that's that's reasonable.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about next week, shall we? We've got more Major League Rugby on tap, of course. San Diego at Nola. Maybe the tiffest, the toughest, stiffest tiffest tiffest. I think is toughest and stiffest combined. So the tiffest competition so far for San Diego Legion at Nola Gold down in the Gold Mine. Uh, I'm excited for this one. Really, the Cam Dolan Cup. We'll just keep using the ex-player who played for somebody <laughs> else as the uh, title for every match. So this is the Cam Dolan Cup. Um, I'm really excited for this one. I wish Doty was going to be on the field, but he's not. Um, I, this one is going to be tougher to pick, so I'll let you go first. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I I think it's got to be San Diego. Um, you know, it, it is possible that all those handling errors will catch up with them, but you know, I, I think they they are taking some calculated risks, and I think it's going to things are keep they're going to keep adding up.
1: I am going to pick San Diego as well because I think, well, here's, this is, now I'm going to admit that the, 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 the rugby pick, the the stupid pick 'em that uh, USA rugby puts out every week is um, impacting my decision-making, but I think everyone else is going to, and this is just not the particular hill I want to die on. While I think Nola has a, you know, reasonable chance at winning. I don't want to die on this hill, so I'm going to pick the Legion because I think that's more likely to happen. But I, it wouldn't shock me if the gold won. Um, and I am and, looking and, forward to Meyer and Nanu running into each other at some point.
0: And if if Cam Dolan scores an intercept try to seal it for Nola, uh, we'll, we'll both be happily wrong.
1: There you go. Um, Old Glory at Austin Gilgronis. all of a sudden and a game with intrigue.
0: Yeah, and they're playing in San Antonio, I think. Um, yep.
1: The annual, are we leaving Austin, are we not leaving Austin Cup?
0: Yeah, I have to imagine they booked this a long time ago. Um, yeah.
1: This is the Travis Larson Cup, by the way. The Travis Larson Cup.
0: <laughs> now, by the way, have you looked at Travis Larson on the field at least once and thought, wait, is that Ben Pinkelman?
1: Uh, well, he's a, a bit thicker than Ben, but I get where you're know.
0: I know. I, I, anyway, I, I, I genuinely had a moment. I was like, wait, what's Pinkelman doing here?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, fair enough.
0: Um, I I can't pick the the Gilgronis two weeks in a row, um. So uh, I'm going old Glory DC.
1: I can't pick the Gilgronis either, though. I, <laughs> Macintosh versus Beast can be fun, and I also just think seeing what's happened to D.C.'s Scrum. Not that the, the Austin Scrum is particularly great, but I, I think that that could be an interesting thing to watch. So Macintosh versus Beast sounds like fun to watch. I think D.C. is the better team. Though, if they get undone, the Scrum will probably have something to do with it, so you know we'll see. But I'm also going to pick D.C. So we have both picked San Diego. We have both picked D.C. Utah, this is also Saturday, at Colorado. Um, the Warriors versus the Raptors, two of the original teams in the Major League Rugby. Uh, I don't think that there's a good... I don't think that we can The Sean Davies Cup He's a coach for Utah now Maybe we can call it that
0: We didn't uh, Wasn't there a scrum half That went the other way
1: Oh Jake Chrisman The Jake Chrisman yeah, yeah. Cup But he's somewhere else I think he's in Houston yeah. So So um, The posthumous Jake Chrisman Cup
0: <laughs> That's We just killed him Oh sorry about that Well doesn't Doesn't well,
1: going to Houston Kill your career But no kidding I'm kidding
0: um, so this, so is, this is the battle of the the try scoring wingers with Vinicolo and uh, Ryberg. The Rocky and, Mountain rivalry, Vinicolo and Ryberg.
1: Yeah, those two on a collision would be fun.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going uh, Utah.
1: I'm gonna go Utah as well. I would love to pick the fight in Ryberg's, but I think Utah is the better team. They've got the the, the league's leading point score. I think Schulte is uh, is the better, probably the best ball handler on the field the best playmaker on the field. And I just think Utah is better all the way around. I, I think Colorado has a real chance at finishing dead last, if I'm being honest. So I'm going to pick the Utah warriors over the Colorado Raptors. Um, in that one. And then finally, new England free Jacks at the Seattle sea Wolves. any reprieve for the sea Wolves? Will they get a win on the board or will the free Jacks go West and uh, get a W like they kind of almost did against the Legion?
0: Yeah, I, I think they will. Um, I, I think there. I if I so the Free Jacks are actually pu- putting out an injury report every week, and I believe Leader was listed as like day to day. So if tag, so I'm I'm going New England.
1: I'm gonna go with Seattle. I am still not convinced that Giaman's not the better fly half than Leader, though. Um, uh, I might get proven wrong this season. I'm gonna go with Seattle. I think that they're gonna stand up. They're gonna have some pride. The 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 atmosphere is still pretty fantastic there, and I think that it, it's a tough uh, New England. Did a really good job on the road last week But I think going to Seattle is slightly different um, And I don't know I just think it's tough to do on the road Twice in a row and I'm going to take the odds With uh, the defending champs so I'm going to go to Seattle Seawolves to win that one so yeah. that's where we Differ there's our one difference
0: Well wait we still got two more to do it's do just In to, March oh not yeah door.
1: March Duh. Look at me trying to quit at the end of February <laughs> Toronto at Rugby ATL on uh, March 1st Toronto at ATL on Sunday Who do you got at that one that's yeah, Toronto. Yeah, same here. I actually – this is, again, not a hill I want to die on, but I think ATL can win that game. Uh, Rugby United, New York, at the Houston Sabercats. The Kyle Sumption Cup, duh. I mean, any other – Charlie Hewitt could have gone the Charlie Hewitt Cup. I'm sure there's maybe another player or two here. Rugby United, New York, at Houston. This one's probably a little bit more difficult to decide.
0: Yeah, that's why I want you to go first. <laughs> okay,
1: fine. Um, yeah. Boy, I'm going to pick – Golly, ah oh, man!
0: All right, I'll go. So I'm going to pick Rooney. And I'll tell you why. Houston is a team that gets as as has given themselves plenty of chances, and they and they just they struggle to convert those chances. And I think you know you, you give Rooney four or five lineouts inside ten meters in a row, and they're going to score once or twice. So I I think that might be the difference, and I'm going to Rooney.
1: I think Rooney has a far superior back backline, um, but I think they're somewhat similar teams um outside of that and and i think this is i don't think houston's going to be able to dominate ball enough in order to prevent rooney's back line from shining through so i'm gonna go with rugby united new york um with that win as well
0: and so we still have just the 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 see i was
1: just i was just predicting that it was going to be the only one (laughs) yeah but i i almost like i feel like i really honestly feel like atl i could have gone the other way on atl so those are the picks for the week. A little major league rugby action keeps on going, Jake. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. That's it. That's all we have to talk about.
0: Yeah, I think that is it. Next week, uh, Colin and I will be talking. Sevens World Series will be back up and running. Yep, Sevens World Serial. We're looking. I'm very much looking forward both to the tournament itself and then getting to uh, talk to Colin afterwards.
1: I'm looking forward to watching a little bit. You know, uh, let me ask you. All right, I think people who listen to this podcast know kind of my history with the tournament this is the first time in 10 years i will not have been there i was an employee of the company that ran the thing for 10 years i no longer am um i'm not real big fans of the people that are running it any longer not real big fans of the dynamic or what uh what occurred for us to no longer be running it i think it's for the worst of american rugby Um, that said uh what is good for American rugby is for this to be a good product and for um, us to have a bunch of people in the fan in the stands and for it to be a good product on television and for the players to have an amazing home field, the atmosphere and experience to come back to every year and for us to build on this. And if this were to parlay into, uh, you know, every year that the LA sevens builds and builds and builds. And then eventually uh, when we have the, the, the Olympics here in, in LA in 2028 um, that we have a great attendance for it. I think that would be phenomenal. Um, but it is sad. It is sad that this is the first time that the USA sevens is being run since like 2005, the John Prismak, um and his uh, company has nothing to do with it. Um, and I will be watching to see what happens. And uh, so that's my vantage point. What are your thoughts on LA? What are you thinking about going into this week? Or are you just thinking about the team?
0: No, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely very curious about um, how things are going to go in in partly because of that, in part because of that player experience. And also, you, you know, rugby in America needs commercial success wherever it can find it. And so, you know, Vegas had figured out to a certain degree, you know, the, how to be a commercially viable big event. Um, So I I guess the thing is like with with Vegas last several years, you more or less knew the product, what the product was going to be. You knew roughly how many people were going to be there. Uh, You know, you knew people were going to complain about the field size and uh, casino smoke and whatnot. So I guess with Vegas, there's just a ton. We don't, I mean, sorry, with LA, there's a ton. We don't know. Um, So I'm hoping for the sake of, the 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 players and commercial viability that there is a strong crowd and i'm no i'm absolutely very curious about that aspect and not just how the team's gonna go um although obviously that's also a pretty big concern
1: yep the hypothesis for rugby eeyore which is me is i think that and i don't want to put too much importance on it but you know let's put what i think is fair on it I think for a long time For 10 to 15 years United World Sports And John Prusmak specifically Was filling up the bathtub Of American Rugby And he would fill it up A little bit And his company was the one That was the stop And it was his money And it was his drive And his vision That was the stopgap That was keeping the water In the bathtub And every once in a while He was able to turn some water on And build it And make it make the bath go Higher and higher and higher And and, 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 and through the CRC And then eventually We would do He'd do crazy things Like the The um, um, Silicon Valley and and, and Rhino Rugby and, and and Rugby Rising. I mean rugby rising, we'll probably never see a rugby rising you, we certainly aren't seeing it now. I don't know if we'll, when we'll see that again. Um, so those sorts of kind of different aspects that added to the to the American rugby culture. And my biggest fear is that United World Sports going the way of the dodo is is pulling the plug on that bath and that water's all going to empty. Um, and I don't know if it'll be fast or slow, but that's the hypothesis. That's the fear. I hope that it doesn't happen, but I'll be watching this weekend to see if, uh, uh, you know, this is any, any indication of that being the case or not. So... Also rooting on the Eagles, of course, as well. All right. Well, that's another Giants' Conscience in the books. More Major League Rugby, USA 7s. Keep your eyes peeled. Enjoy your rugby this weekend. Oh, and by the way, I get to, I get to coach this weekend, Jake. I, the spring season is back for me. So I'll be stomping up and down the sidelines, keeping track of Excellent. score for 80 minutes. So pra- rugby crazy season is...
0: Re- pra- crazy referees, no doubt.
1: Crazy referees, no doubt. Um, rugby is back in full swing. For Jake Frechette, I'm Pat Clifton. Thanks for listening to Giants' Conscience. Sweet man send me
0: your uh your audio will you Thanks bro Later.